Hi, this is Daniel James, and this is the podcast of Triple R's The Mission, a weekly radio show exploring the issues that impact the lives of Aboriginal people and those at the wrong end of social justice in this country. The Mission is broadcast live on Triple R each Tuesday evening. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website. Good evening. Welcome to episode 000012 of The Mission. My name is Daniel James. I'm your host through to eight tonight. I'd like to start off by acknowledging the traditional owners from which I'm broadcasting from, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Hope it's uh, dry wherever you are. It's been um, absolutely persistently raining over the last hour or so, so if you're driving or you're out on the roads, please take care. I myself are just back from the land of the Lachilachi and Bakinji people. I was um, up there for the Mildura Riders Festival. I've got to say the river is uh, very beautiful there. So much is taken out of it and so little given back. So we might talk about the health of the river in uh, some future episodes because there is much to talk about. And I see that the uh, the world went absolutely batshit crazy over the Adam Goods documentary, The Final Quarter, after it uh, aired last week. Very glad the people got to see the whole sorry saga for what it was, because uh, plenty couldn't or wouldn't while it was actually going down at the time. I reckon a good editor could actually compile a list of books written by, oh, a, a book with articles written by Aboriginal writers at the time, highlighting what was actually happening at the time. It took a while for people to listen, but they're listening now, uh, whether they like it or not. Uh, but now to uh, tonight's show. Shortly in studio, I'll be joined by filmmaker Alex Siddons and film subject and artist Christopher Austin regarding The Art of Incarceration, a documentary that will be screening at the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival. I watched the uh, doco last night. It was amazing how art and the search for culture can begin the healing process for those incarcerated. So I'm having a look. I'm looking forward to having a chat with those two fellas coming up shortly, and uh, later in the program I'll be having a yarn with uh, Joanne Doherty. Joanne is the practice lead um, at Elizabeth Morgan House. Unfortunately, it won't surprise you to learn that uh, homelessness is a major issue in the Aboriginal community, and particularly for women fleeing domestic violence or at risk of losing their house while incarcerated. So we'll explore those issues in more depth later. Um, as it's actually the lead-up to um, Housing Week, which starts on the 4th of August. So again, some uh, pretty heavy subjects tonight, but we are speaking to people that are committed to bringing change through empowering others, empowering themselves, and chipping away at systems that are pretty much bent towards keeping us in our place. The best way to connect with me is via Twitter. My handle is at MrDTJames, M-R-D-T-James. This is the mission. Stick around. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos, and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. Uh, we're going to go straight to our first two guests because we've got a lot to get through this evening, and um, people have come in here to give us. Uh, their time, and so let's honour them with giving them the time that they need to convey the story that they want to. Um, 
The Melbourne Documentary Film Festival is on at the moment and uh, my first two guests are the filmmaker and the film subject of one of the documentaries screening at the festival. Art of Incarceration explores The Torch Project, uh, a pioneering non-for-profit organisation that runs arts programs for Indigenous prisoners and ex-offenders in the Victorian prison system. The documentary both analyses and humanitises the over-representation of Indigenous Australians within the prison system while seeking answers and striving towards solutions. And so in studio with me now, uh, let me just make sure that Dave's mics are on, and of course they are, is the film's director, Alex Siddons, and one of the film's main protagonists, Chris Osterman. Chris Austin, sorry. Gentlemen, welcome to Triple R. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Congratulations to both of you. For the for the film, but also thank you, Chris, for um, letting your story to be told. Um, the film centres in and around uh, Fulham Prison down in Gippsland, and um, it actually follows a number of artists within the prison in the lead up to um, the torch, the annual torch exhibition. Perhaps we could um, start by just listening to a, a clip, and then we'll get into some um, some questions. But um, let's hope this works. <laughs> not a cool thing it's it's not a fashionable thing you've got to be answerable to a really dogmatic system and a system that will be strategically designed to be able to to suppress what you have as an individual person shows people out there that we're not all just drug addicts, alcoholics and cooks and bad people, you know, we have got something good in us. That's like uh, water going down the drain, washing the blood off your hands. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can move on with your life. We'd love to see you at the exhibition yeah, as well. I'll be at the exhibition because I'm out in 29 days. Oh, OK, awesome. People said to me, how did you change, bros? I said, well, I dove in to problems. Basically brought us together as a group and given experiences that no one can take away from us. Five hundred dollar cash award and it goes to Robbie Wiramenda. I want to try and get onto as much art as I can because it's it's um lit a fire of inspiration under me. Munchie, tuck your take, putting on this roundabout. It is a very hard thing to get off it, you know? You can keep coming back and to go back out there. Yeah, you don't want to start on it. In that clip, then we heard Chris talking about the roundabout. What is the roundabout, Chris, and how long have you been off it? The roundabout um, for the recidivist rate. You get on this roundabout, and once you start on it, you keep getting out of jail and get driven straight back. 
it's like no deterrent for you to go back. There's no punishment. Yeah. You just jump on that roundabout and the same cycle just keeps going round and round. You've been, um, you've been, you were incarcerated for the first time at the age of 11? Yeah, I've been doing this for 40 years, just over 40 years, and it's taken me that long to take the step off it like I'm a survivor. Yeah. You know, I know a lot of people that never made it. And you've been out of jail now for two and a half years. Yeah. And that's the longest you've been out for. Longest, yeah, longest I've been out. And it's a lot to do with my family and that and the Torch program yeah. and working with Alex and, like, working with Alex and talking about the Torch and the, the work it does and everything like that is like a, a program in itself for me mm-hmm. to help me stay on the straight and narrow, you know. Yeah. It shows me I've got the right pathway to travel down. Yeah, well, and I'm heading in that direction. It's very good to see you here. Thank you, um, Alex. The, the the film had basically no budget, um, and yet in the last hour or so, you've discovered that it's been nominated for all, uh, uh, numerous awards. How does yeah. that feel? Yeah, it feels good, and I'm very thankful uh, for the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival. I think a lot of festivals in Australia like you know say that they are there to promote local and emerging content but i really know that the melbourne documentary film festival is they put us on for closing night yep. and uh, that sold out really quickly i think six weeks before the actual screening and then they very kindly put us on for an encore screening which um, has about 40 tickets or so left and so, that, yeah. that that'll be we'll talk about the film more in a sec but that'll be on the 31st um, of july wednesday at nova and there'll be a q a session as yep. well with yourself, Chris and, um, and uh, Robbie. And big Robbie were Amanda big from the building. Yeah, yeah. You'll see in the documentary he's a uh, size of a mountain. Only 160 kilos. Is that really? Is that true? Well, he's been 160 kilos for a few years now, so <laughs> I think that might be putting it lightly. It's <laughs> massive. Putting it lightly, if I say it. Yeah. Okay, well, we don't want to give him a complex. <laughs> nah, we love you, big Robbie. So the, the film centres in and around um, uh, the lead up to uh, an exhibition that is part of the Torch program. Maybe if um, one of you could describe what the Torch program is and what it aims to do. Yeah, I can tell you about the program. Chris can tell you about the exhibition. Right, right. Um, So the Torch is a non-for-profit organisation that runs arts programs on both sides of the Victorian prison system for Indigenous offenders and ex-offenders. And after 40 years of advocacy from the Victorian Indigenous community, um, Indigenous inmates can now sell their artwork whilst they're incarcerated. The money is kept in a trust and all interest is paid to a Victims of Crime Fund. And then once the artist is released, they then have that money to help them get back on their feet and some sort of confidence and chance, you know, to uh, better prepare for life on the outside, which through creating this film I've realised is just such a tremendously hard thing for one to grasp and then, you know, stand up. Well, with, with mainstream... Inmates alone, we know that 43.6% return to prison at, at some point. And I don't know whether we have numbers for Indigenous prisoners. No, there, there isn't a statistic <coughs> available, but we know it's much higher. We know it's higher. Chris can certainly tell you that. Yeah. So, Chris, the, the program has played a, a major part in keeping you on the straight and narrow and, and out, of, out of the system. Yeah, because it shows me... Most of us that are in jail and been in there for a while... Are, feel alienated from the outside community and like because 
of the crimes you know we've committed mm. we always thought we were on the back feet from the whole time you know and with the program the torch program it shows that there's people out there that are interested in us interested in our artwork and all that and like are willing to help us along our way you know and being able to sell their artwork in exhibitions and everything like that, we've never experienced that before and, to, and getting proper money for our paintings and that helps us for when we get out that we've got somewhere to go, something to start, we've got to start. Whereas in most times when they get out and they've got nothing to get out to, mm. they go back to where they come from, where they started where they were before they got locked up, so they're just going to come straight back in again. So what was it like having your work um, exhibited for the first time? Pretty amazing. I didn't think there'd be so many people that would be interested in their artwork. And, like, every time I've had a painting being exhibited, it's, it's sold. I right. didn't think I was, like, that worthy of it. Now, did I just hear just before that one of those paintings went to Adam Goods? Yeah. Yeah, OK, as you do. Yeah, <laughs> what did you do with the money? I donated to kids at risk of suicide down in Gippsland Way. Oh, brilliant. So they can go away on a camping holiday. Brilliant. And the, we got a letter from them too, thanking us for it. Yeah, yeah cool. it's pretty good. That's fantastic. Um, the, the film gives us a, a very rare glimpse into what it's like to be um, behind bars in a correctional um, facility in Victoria. Alex, how did you go about getting the access that you've got? Because the access is actually quite amazing and the access to, to the inmates is also quite amazing. How did that come about? Um, I was gifted a painting called Dreamtime Spirits by Leroy McLaughlin, which was painted inside Fulham. Mm-hmm. So I was aware of some amazing Indigenous artwork happening inside that jail and around a similar time I met Robbie Ruamanda for the first time. All 160 kilos of him, as you know. Yeah, amazing. Just, yeah, former super heavyweight jiu-jitsu world champion. Yeah, I saw the I saw the um the, the ring in his backyard. Yeah, he's got yeah. an Olympic size boxing ring in his yeah. backyard, and um yeah, in the 46 degree heat of Chinkapook, northwestern Victoria. But I met Robbie for the first time, and I uh, connected with him and his three sons, who I love very much, Jackson, Hickson, and Grayson. Were Amanda, very inspiring young men, and Robbie invited me to an exhibition at the. Uh, I think it was at the Melbourne Town Hall and was a torch exhibition. Yep. So that was how I was first introduced to the program. I then went and made contact with Fulham and sent them through some of my works. And um, before you know it, I was strolling through the facility and taken to the Yurung unit, which is the Indigenous unit where the film's mostly based. And I met Chris for the first time and discussed the prospect of a film project. And Chris was very receptive and I went on to he went on to organise about a room full of uh, artists who uh, had a listen to what I had to say and we went and then showed them some of my films in a classroom and I showed them the uh, Saints of St Kilda, which is about the uh, yeah. infamous Gatwick yeah. Hotel. Yeah. Uh, one called The Busker, which is about the uh, former rock star Cookie, who's from The Mixtures, who wrote the Push Bike song. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. He's yeah. now a bit of a Chapel Street uh, street dweller and somewhat of an icon. <laughs> Chris, uh, that one went off in jail, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> That's a, I couldn't believe it. That was a, like amazing seeing that. It, it was it was the bloke that made the DJ of paddle pop sticks. Yeah, that was in one of the low security units. The, in Fulham, yeah. yeah. They um, I, I couldn't think, believe. I don't that. think we can say his name, but but it's just, no. well, yeah. let's just call him a genius. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <Very laughs> and they work too. Yeah. They work. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he was he was playing. It sounded mm. sounded fantastic. Um, now. The, the the torch program has worked for you, for, for you, Chris, but it but it 
unfortunately hasn't worked for everyone and that's just the nature of of of, of life and without um you know going too deep into into the the film we we see um a case where someone does get out that does is a participant in in the exhibition but things unfortunately just don't work out for him yeah it's um when we were creating the film no matter what side of the camera you're on we all worked very hard in a very collaborative manner to tell the story obviously a very challenging story to tell yeah and beyond the walls of the prison the film truly kicked off and um some like chris went from strength to strength and others um were unable to were unable to make it through the production so as tragic as the film is you know it does gleam with a lot of hope and transcendence but yeah um it's a tragic narrative and Mm. the mass incarceration of indigenous people is a tragic narrative in itself and it leads from one generation to the next and it it really made me aware and hopefully everyone who sees this film will be aware of the challenges that one faces when leaving jail and trying to enter back into society yeah i think it was um it may have been you chris yeah you say in the you said in the documentary that the people actually get addicted to to detention itself yeah you know the the thought of being out in the big open wide world to someone who was potentially institutionalized like yourself is um you know a very daunting thing it is pretty scary i know yeah i remember like i'm gonna get out and i've got a daughter and everything like that yeah. and i sit down i'm thinking bang i gotta be gotta do the right thing this time and it was like the thoughts and everything like that was that nervous and that like pretty strong when I get the butterflies in the stomach you know like when you stand up really high and you get the yeah yeah just to sit there and think about having to go outside and do the right thing I'd get them butterflies that's how scary it was for me Mm. to start on that path you know everyone had iPhones when you got out yeah (laughs) yeah everyone was looking at their phone weren't you telling me when you first got out you couldn't believe it yeah it's uh, 22 past 7 here on Triple R 102.7 FM. This is The Mission. I'm speaking with Alex Siddons and Chris Austin about uh, a documentary that will be showing at the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival. Um, the documentary is entitled The Art of Incarceration. Now, you can actually go and see it on... Um, uh, well, you could see it on uh, July the 28th, but it's actually sold out, isn't it, Alex? It might be one or two tickets at the door, but it's, yeah, very... Apart from that, it's all gone, so I think you'd have to probably pop down right now the cinema over to get those tickets. But the yep. on-course screening on the 31st next Wednesday is uh, still got about 40 or so tickets left. And so if people want to go to, to that, and people should know that if... You know, you do get the numbers. Um, if you sell out, you know, a couple of big cinemas in, in Cinema Nova twice, then that opens up op- options for the for the film to, to go elsewhere, yeah? Yeah, we've made the film, as we've mentioned, with no money and we've all worked as a team, and we are a team, um, to tell the story and we're hoping it's going to reach the audience it deserves. But every, uh, you know, we're just facing each obstacle as it approaches. Yeah. Um, I've, you know, never put out a feature before, so we're just learning as Have we you? go. Not till now, <laughs> either is Chris, believe it or not. But um yeah, we're you know, we're hoping to sell that encore out and hopefully that can lead to us being in the cinema space for a bit longer, which would be amazing for everyone involved and we've put years of hard work into this with um you know, some of Australia's youngest and most dedicated filmmakers I believe. So I really want this to get the audience it deserves and yeah, pay pay back everyone all the uh 
you know, all the hours and dedication they've invested in it. Well, yeah, and, and people really exposing, you know, their lives. I mean, I think the the uh, the guts you've shown, Chris, in, in you know, Absolutely. telling us your story um, is, is to be absolutely commended. If people are interested in um, uh, looking or finding or acquiring some of your artwork, where, where can people go? Have to get in touch with Alex. <laughs> I'm still... I don't have Facebook. I don't have a phone. The Torch, yeah. So yeah. the Torch website. So the Torch website. There's, there's, the Torch have a, the most amount of artwork they've ever had at the moment. And the program's just expanding within jail and on the outside as well because of the amazing results that it's producing. So... The Torch have plenty of artwork on their website. Yeah. Chris, on the other hand, is a bit busy with interviews. Needs to get painting, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stop with the chit chat. Yeah. Um, can I tell my daughter Amelia to go to bed now? Yeah, absolutely. Amelia, you've got to go to bed now. It's too late. <laughs> she um, stars in the film as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. She does too. I saw that. Um, well, best of luck with it all. Um, like I said, if you want to get down on uh, the 31st, which is a Wednesday at about 6.45 at Cinema Nova, everyone knows where that is in Ligon Street, Carlton, there will be a Q&A session and a screening of the film itself. And so if the more people we can get in the cinema, the more that we can, um, these guys can, can spread, spread the story. Uh, just before I let you go, um, Alex, what would you, do, what, you, what would you do with the film if you actually had some money to uh, produce Something maybe the next Star Wars or uh, after this? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I haven't really looked after this. Um, I, I want to make something with Robbie's three boys. Yep. Um, sort of just they can come up with the idea, and I'll, I'll sort of help them along with it. Um, maybe hear what Chris has to say. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure, but everyone who's been a part of the art of incarceration is a part of our journey and my journey as an artist. So, yeah, we'll all be involved and we're getting stronger as we go. Well, thanks for your efforts and um, thanks very much for coming in, fellas. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Melbourne's own Triple R. You're listening to The Mission. My name is Daniel James. And it's time for our next guest. Um, it's an issue that's actually not unrelated to the conversation we just had with uh, Alex and Chris. Homelessness, and homelessness in particular amongst Aboriginal women here in Victoria, um, the so-called pro- progressive state, um, is uh, a major issue and something that's not going away anytime soon. So our next guest, uh, Joanne Doherty, is practice lead at the um, Elizabeth Morgan uh, House, um, and you're responsible for Aboriginal women's families' violence services yep, for that's them. Right. And it's actually housing week from the 4th of August to the 10th of August, and that's coming up, I guess that's next week, is it? Yeah, a couple of weeks away. A couple of weeks away. And so we thought we'd get an expert in to talk about some of the issues that are uh, affecting the homeless, uh, Aboriginal incarceration, and um, what can be done to address some of these appalling issues. So welcome to Triple R, Joanne. How are you going? Thank you. I'm good, thank you. Uh, on a night like tonight in particular, we were reminded how horrible it must be to, to be homeless. Um, the driving rain, the, the, the wind, the sense of, you know, helplessness. Mm. Um, is the issue getting better or worse for Aboriginal women in particular? Oh, I think what we see, there are changes in policies that are beneficial to Aboriginal women, but overwhelmingly... The, uh, the, the damage that we're seeing happen to Aboriginal families because of homelessness, because of family violence, is just really quite pervasive and it is intergenerational. Yeah. So any changes that we're seeing certainly aren't progressive enough and they're not fast enough for the community. 
Um, what sort of action can um, the the government take? I mean, have they have they shown any sort of inclination to get on the front foot with this issue? Well, one of the things that we're calling for in Housing Week is that the state and federal governments really look at a cohesive national plan around yep. social housing and, and really what we need is an injection of, nationwide, an injection of um, 500,000 properties that are affordable social housing and we also need a real change to our policies as well and and we probably aren't when we're not there yet we're certainly not there yet and we can see that in the rates of homelessness just when we walk through the cbd now and as you said no one would want to be homeless on a night like tonight um but yet people are there there really is not enough crisis options for people and certainly not a lot of long-term options and we have tens and tens and tens and tens and thousands of people waiting for public housing you know, we do. As we speak. We do, yep. Um, we say on any given night there's 116,000 um, homeless people in Australia. So what's um, what role does Elizabeth Morgan House play in all this? Yep, so we're funded. We are a, primarily a family violence service, but what we know is not just with Aboriginal women but non-Aboriginal women as well that predominantly the reason why they're homeless is because of family violence. Yeah. So we work with families to try to address the issues of family violence. We try to help work to make women stay safe so they can stay in the home because that's really important for kids as well. If we can keep women and children in the home, they can keep going to schools, um, they're not unsettled, their routine can stay consistent. But so we work to help women stay safe, help with applications, so get them on the right waiting list and help them navigate the system, which is really quite complicated. Yeah. For, for us as professionals, it's complicated, let alone someone who's trying to navigate that on their own. Yeah. Uh, 34% of the um, female prison population in Victoria is made up with Aboriginal women. And just a reminder, Aboriginal people make up around about 3% of the overall population mm-hmm. here in um, Victoria, the progressive state. Um, one of the issues around homelessness is that women that are incarcerated often lose their home mm-hmm. while they're behind bars as well. Do you That's want to right. talk about that a little bit? Yeah, we have we see a few issues when women are going through the social the, the justice system, the criminal justice system, is that if they don't have appropriate accommodation, we see that they are less likely to be given bail. So they're in a sense being incarcerated because they've got no safe home to go to, no appropriate home to go to. Then we see those women that are in prison can be losing their homes because they can't pay the rent. Um, um, they might get squatters in their accommodation. But we do see a large number of women losing their homes and they've got then no homes to get remanded to or nowhere to go to. And they then leave prison and go into the homelessness system itself. Mm. Um, and the problems that we have is when a lot of women go into prison, they're separated from their children. And if they've got no homes, no appropriate housing then the system is less likely to reunify the children with their parents and we see children remaining in the foster care system really because their mums don't have appropriate housing and the sector can't meet the needs of these women. Mm. So it really is just a terrible spiral that we see for families. And the the cycle of disadvantage just continues? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and it's what Chris was kind of referring to before, you know, is that, that merry-go-round of just disadvantage, you know. Um, uh what are the what are some of the main issues around overcrowding too? Because you've you've you've, you've mentioned that um, there is a lack of public housing. There's also um, uh, you know a huge waiting 
queue yeah. to, to get into that to, into that housing. Um, but some of the housing that does exist is, is overcrowded and that causes all sorts of other sp- um, uh, issues. impacts and issues and yeah. health issues in particular. Yeah, well, absolutely. So the statistics tell us that Aboriginal people are twice as likely to be in overcrowded accommodation than non-Aboriginal people. So we're looking at about 7.6% of uh, Aboriginal um, people are living in overcrowded accommodation. And when we say overcrowded, we mean they need two or more bedrooms. So when we're looking at the impacts, we're talking skin, ear, nose, throat infections from people sharing beds and towels, not able to eat nutritious meals because it's really hard to cook when you've got that many people in the house. Not everyone can shower every day. It's just not enough hot water. Just yeah. washing... It, Routines for kids, school routines, not going to schools with lunch, this in itself. And then and then ultimately we see a breakdown of these family relationships who have quite generously taken in extended family members because they don't want to see them be homeless. Mm-hmm. They don't want to see them become part of the child protection system. But the strain on families living in these conditions and the cost, you know, think of the water bills and the gas bills. Yeah. It just means it's not sustainable when we see these what were very strong family links slowly deteriorate and, and break down as well. And what we, um, what I think people forget a lot of the time is that overcrowding causes all sorts of health issues and yes. so it can affect the kid's hearing. Absolutely. Which in turn affects um, a kid's learning. Yes. Yep. Um, uh, sanitation is an issue. Yep. Uh, diet is yep. an issue. And all these things have um, an, an ongoing impact that, just adds to the accumulation of all the other issues as well. Mm. But in recognition of that, and we know these things, there's a lot of studies done on those things, and what we need to see is services stepping up. So we need services to step up and start providing laundry services for families. We need local councils to be providing larger bins for people so that they can dispose of their waste appropriately. Mm. We need services to be assisting families with financial management because when you're trying to pay, as I said, gas and water bills, it just blows your... If you're on a low income, you're on Centrelink, just one bill can come in and can destroy your finances for that fortnight and then you're really not left with anything for food. Yep. Yeah. And that's... And, you know... We're in, a, we're in a state of play now where that is not um, uh, an issue alone for, for, for people on the poorer end of the socioeconomic scale. We've, mm. We're seeing a lot of middle class people really struggling with those um, electricity bill Absolutely. pressures and, yep. you know, just one little thing, um, whether it's a small bingle or, you know, um, someone gets, you know, injured or hurt or has to go into the health system can really throw a family mm. budget out for good. So... That's obviously far more extreme with some of the, the people that you deal with. Mm. And they're the type of families that we work with and the issues that we try to work through. But as you said, those small things can really blow out a budget. We see kids that aren't able to go on school excursions or school camps because the mum's budget just doesn't allow for that right now. Yeah. So things are very tight. And we do have a lot of um, issues around overcrowding. It is... It is a very common problem that we have here in Melbourne, especially when we're seeing rents increasing. So a lot of us are struggling with rental accommodation right now and we're seeing a lot of people on low incomes being pushed further and further out to the outer suburbs where there's less services available. Yeah, rents aren't going down anytime soon, unfortunately. Um, So during um, uh, Housing Week, uh, what are some of the things that Elizabeth Morgan House will be 
partaking in? Yeah, so we're getting out and about and uh, on the Monday, so Monday the 5th, we're going out to Dane Fuller's Frost, that's the women's prison, Mm -hmm. and we're going to meet with as many women out there as what we possibly can and we're going to work towards planning or ensuring that they keep their houses while they're incarcerated and then working... What, what, What can be done there? Well, there is actually policies that allow for rents to be reduced while you're in prison, but you actually need someone to help you do the paperwork. Right. So if you're not familiar with the paperwork, you're not great at filling in forms or you've not got fabulous literacy, then you might not be able to do those things. We work with families to look at getting somebody who's on the outside to stay in your accommodation so that it doesn't get squatted in. Yep. And basically we do a lot of negotiating with landlords around those, letting them know where things are at and keeping them, having them keep us in the loop. Because sometimes when people are incarcerated, they get evicted, they don't even know that it's happened until they leave. Yeah, exactly. So it's ensuring that there's at least some sort of dialogue happening a Absolutely. lot of the time. Yep. Yep. And like you said, um, the, the system is complicated for, for you guys, you know, yeah. the, the, the various forms, paperwork, policies, laws, bits of legislation you need to be across. Yeah. For someone that is incarcerated who's never come across anything like this, it must be nigh on impossible sometimes. Yeah, no, it is. And so the Monday we're out at Dame Phyllis and then on the Tuesday we're out at the uh, Broadmeadows Children's Court. That's the Aboriginal hearing day on the Tuesday. And we'll be out there working with women as well because one of the main elements that we see repeated through children's court orders is that for mums to have children return to their care or to keep children in their care they have to have appropriate housing and it's not that these mums don't want appropriate housing there's just a real struggle to find it so we work with them to try to help them get into appropriate housing okay uh, it is 12 to 8 here on triple r this is the mission my name is daniel i'm speaking with joanne doherty from elizabeth morgan house about well, I suppose the, the crisis in justice and in homelessness for, for Aboriginal people in this state. Um, before I let you go, how can people support Elizabeth Morgan House if they want to? Donate. Yeah. <laughs> Look, we... What services... So we're, we're quite a small service and we're very grassroots, so we're an Aboriginal community-controlled organisation. Your board's totally made up of Aboriginal Absolute, people. Yep, all yep. of them. All of them are. Yep. Um, and what... One of the things that we do need is, is uh, just flexible brokerage that we can use for certain things such as send kids on school camps, um, school uniforms, to be able to, um, if... A mum's getting a house. We like to have a couple of hundred dollars so that we can fill the fridge for them because setting up a house is also expensive. So if people are interested in supporting Elizabeth Morgan House, then they can go to our website or they can give us a phone call and um, we're happy to talk them through that process. Well, excellent. Thanks so much for your time, Joanne. It's really appreciative of um, you coming in and speaking about these issues. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's The Mission a weekly radio show exploring the issues that impact the lives of Aboriginal people and those at the wrong end of social justice in this country. The mission is broadcast live on Triple R every Tuesday evening. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website.